sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast we have on the line Dylan Pugh, and Dylan is going to be giving us a uh, report, a summary of the report from the New South Wales Upper House Inquiry into the state's koala populations and their habitat. Good morning, Dylan. Good morning, Meg. Well, how are you? Did you have a good weekend? Um, oh, yes, I did. <laughs> um, yes. It's, uh, well, I mean, it's just getting a bit worrying at the moment with uh, the number of... Uh, Tourists coming back to Byron, it's getting uh, overwhelming again. Mm. So uh, all the accommodations booked out and we've had dust up in the mountains. So My you know, with all these, uh, uh, this increased visitation, it's a worry. Yes, not much social distancing going on, I don't suppose. Uh, in some places there's not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, oh dear. And so um, very good news from the, uh, from the uh, New South Wales Upper House Inquiry. Um, yes, they've, um, they've they've looked at the they've spent a year looking at the state of koalas in New South Wales, mm. and come well, it's not good news. They've come to the conclusion that um, uh, by 2050 they're likely to be extinct in the wild if yeah. we continue down the path we currently are, and that's alarming but not unexpected because we, we we knew they were in trouble and we can see them declining across the landscape and. Uh, the government sort of mouths all these platitudes but does nothing in reality. It's a, it's a real worry that we're um, overseeing and uh, directing the extinction of koalas in New South Wales. Yes, I mean, so, the government has had so much good advice from uh, from your ecologists and organisations such as the North East Forest Alliance for so many years. They certainly um, <clears throat> should have been aware of the problem. Um, yeah, look, there, there's no doubt they, um, uh, they've had the warnings. Uh, you know, they've, they've tried to address it. Like, for example, the, uh, on private lands, they introduced the koala SEP, SEP 44, uh, back in 1995. And its basic aim was on, uh, for councils to do comprehensive koala plans and management across the council areas to identify core koala habitat and then to protect that core koala habitat. And the, the rules are, you um, you know, well, first off, it helps protect it from being cleared for developments, but, but uh, equally importantly, it stops it being cleared. All the clearing rules are based around protecting core koala habitat and, and from logging. The private native forestry code doesn't apply to core koala habitat. Yet in... So this is 1995 this was introduced, and... Uh, so far, there's only parts of six local government areas that have approved koala plans of management, that, and only, um, I think, about two or three of those identify core koala habitat. So here's this been this crucial mechanism for protection of koalas on private land, and it just hasn't been implemented. And there's councils that prepared koala plans of management the government refuses to uh, approve. And so, uh, you know, it's it, it beggars belief, really, that... Uh, we've had this mechanism in place for all that time and it's amounted to virtually nothing. Uh, and people haven't, haven't been, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, the government hasn't been implementing any of those uh, recommendations. Um, no, and, you know, the, uh, the other thing is 
uh, to finish off on private land is that um, mm. we have a code of logging practice for private land and yeah. that code is if you find a koala and only if you find a koala or evidence of koala, koala scats, then you need to protect koala feed trees and you know, they're quite uh, liberal rules and you need to pick, protect quite a number of trees and it might be 10 uh, hectare uh, above, you know, above 30 centimetres diameter, so reasonable size trees. But in reality, in practice, there's no requirement to look for those koalas first. And usually they're not. So we often find them logging core koala habitat without looking first and without any protection whatsoever for koalas. So it's just this farce that's going on mm. with... Um, uh, this pretense that we're doing something for koalas and the, the committee acknowledges it's a pretense because they have these nice sounding rules that, that in reality and on the ground amount to virtually nothing. It must be so frustrating. Um, yeah, and um, you know the, the other issue of course we have with um, private lands is land clearing and the rate it's occurring at the mm. latest figures and by latest I mean from 2018 but they've only just been released show that land clearing in uh, New South Wales has increased, increased to 60,800 hectares per annum and that's um, about the same for the last three years but it's double what it was for the decade before that. And this, this is the government's new land clearing rules that just basically allow open slather and about um, uh, 29,400 hectares of that land clearing uh, is for agricultural purposes but when you look at the, the data they don't know why most of that land clearing occurred. It wasn't approved, so it's all self-assessed stuff. And so they've, they've put down the cause as uncertain. Uh, so mm. we've got this broad landscape uh, clearing occurring across the landscape and uh, the government doesn't know what approval's been given for it, if any, or whether it needs approval. Uh, uh, they're just watching it being cleared, you know. Mm. It's just, mm. uh, and two years later, they're watching it being cleared. And uh, the other one was um, is... Logging is the other major cause of land clearing, and that's uh, 23,300 hectares, and it's increasing as well. So we're getting uh, this, this ramp up of, uh, of land clearing occurring um, without uh, any protection for clouds being provided in the process. So because we don't have uh, core koala habitat, habitat identified, they can go clear core koala habitat. Mm. They can go log core koala habitat. Um, and, you know, and, a, and do, and, and knowingly do. Uh, well, they do, yes. Yeah. Um, and even uh, when the EPA is informed and given evidence that there are koalas present, uh, pre- pre- president, present uh, they, this, it still isn't stopped. Uh, well, indeed. And, um, you know, it's, um, like, you know, you've got to wonder really where there's any commitment there, and mm, basically mm. there's not. And, uh, yeah. and that was, was across our private lands, that's. Uh, the problem we've got is that the National Party has been given total control and uh, and they want to give farmers total freedom to do what they like, yes, irrespective yeah. of environmental consequences. And the logging companies too. Oh, well, indeed. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's sort of a, a real extractive industry mentality, isn't it? Yeah, and when you look at the forest, you know, it is extractive industry because they're running down the uh, the size of the trees over time mm. Uh, mm. and the, the biomass in the forest over the time. So it, it is just a, a different form of, uh, of of mining in that respect. That's right. It's running down the resource. And while trees do regrow, they regrow relatively slowly. So yes. um, they're not making up for the uh, loss that's occurring. 
No, it's uh, the the depletion of the um, ability of the trees to uh, um, uh, absorb and store uh, carbon emissions uh, is is completely um, depleted, isn't it? When you're when you're taking all the biggest trees, uh, it is, and because they store uh, the most carbon. But the biggest trees mm. are also uh, of immense importance. To our wildlife, koalas prefer bigger trees uh, because, uh, well, in fact, we're not really sure exactly why they do, but uh, it's uh, thought that they uh, have more brows on them. um, uh, They provide cooling in hot weather. Koalas can hug the trunks to keep them cool in hot weather. Um, So there's a a, a range of reasons which we don't really fully understand, but koalas prefer bigger trees, and the bigger the better for the koalas, and the more they use them. So when they lose those bigger trees, we're degrading their their habitat. Um, In fact, they don't like using, in the forest anyway, small trees much at all. And uh, uh, so they're running out of food, and their populations crash and so on. That's part of the problem we've got. Mm. But it's also our nectivorous species. They need the bigger trees because they provide more nectar, uh, which so many of our species rely upon, let alone our honey industry. Um, and, uh, and it's the big trees, the big old trees that provide mm. the hollows that another whole plethora of species rely upon for their homes and dens, you know. And they're just, um, they're all in trouble, all these animals mm. that rely upon big trees. And uh, as you point out, that's where the main storage of carbon is. And mm. we rely upon them as well to take that uh, carbon out of the atmosphere and store it in their trunks and soils. Yes, there's no doubt about it. It's uh, uh, forests are, you know, a, a prime life support system for uh, both humans and uh, and all these other wonderful species. Um, it's, they're just essential. And uh, you sort of, we, we need a complete rethink of just what our forests are and what they mean to uh, to, to the community. Um, uh, we, we do, and um, you know they're um, important in so many ways. Mm. I've just been looking at their economic importance, which is uh, equally significant. Indeed. In that, um, you know, it's our, our forests that attract tourists to this region. Yeah, and, uh, it's so short-sighted, isn't it? Of the tourism spending spending in this region is mm. because of national parks. Indeed, they come here, and you know, in, in a large portion of the people who come here come here to visit our national parks and experience our natural environment. And, yes. And that um, is the major driver of our economy these days. Um, so, you know, um, we've got to recognise there's that sort of benefit. You know, they provide us with um, uh, most of our honey, I think, comes from our native forests. Uh, and you know, that's, right. that's being run down by, by what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, our water supply into our creeks and into our dams, uh, a lot of that comes from forests and forests, uh, when we convert them to regrowth, they use up more water and they dry up those creeks. Um, so, you know, our, our best uh, um, interests lie in protecting forests for that purpose. And, and forests attract rainfall and, and make the uh, cool the earth and, and so improve our local climate. Um, you know, the, the, the benefits are just innumerable. Uh, yeah. And um, we've got to recognise that. We've got to recognise that we and our our wildlife friends, our native species uh, rely upon forests and the older the forest is, the better it is for all of us. Indeed. Yes, I was listening to scientists the other day on a documentary and uh, uh, they were making it quite clear that uh, this is, uh, you know, forests are the reason that the earth is so 
hospitable and uh, indeed habitable for, uh, for, for us at this time. Millions yes. of years, and billions of years of evolution. Um, yes, well, they've, 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 as they've, over, over time, they've expanded onto the land, they've oh. made the land, land habitable by them, by the yeah. trees, and therefore by us. Yeah. Um, and without them, we're going to have deserts expanding as we are uh, currently across those uh, continents. You know, so it's you know we we have the seas being really important as well. You know, they're, they're half of our our biosphere and provide us with benefits too. But but so so does the forest on the land. And yeah, we need them. So just to go back to the koala inquiry, one of the <laughs> I was just going to say <laughs> we seem to have gone astray. It, it, I mean, but I mean, this is particularly why the inquiry findings are so important, isn't it? Um, yeah, look, I, I think what's important, what the, what's the most important is they, they um, recognise and acknowledge the plight class are in and why they're in that situation and how our uh, government processes have totally failed them. Mm. I mean, yeah. totally. You know, we just... Uh, um, but I think the, the, the two key messages, I think, from the Koala Inquiry, one is that if we want to save koalas, what we're going to do first off is protect their habitat. Number one, you know, that's, that's, that's what koalas require and most of the witnesses uh, uh, said that. So even if it's problems with koalas being knocked over by cars or uh, chased by dogs, mm. it comes down to habitat uh, loss and fragmentation. And the more they lose habitat uh, uh, or get fragmented, the more they've got time they've got to spend on the ground, the more vulnerable they are to uh, being hit by cars or attacked by dogs. It also stresses the koalas, so the more vulnerable they are to disease, uh, uh, particularly chlamydia. Um, so yes, because they're stressed, aren't yeah, they? Well, um, indeed, and so they get stressed. they get stressed quite easily. Unfortunately, yeah. um, they are quite fragile in that respect. And, yeah. uh, 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 you know, you can imagine yourself if you if your home just got knocked down, uh, and and you, you you might have. Ten trees you were using, and suddenly uh, they're all gone. You know, you've got to go find more, and then Indeed. you've got to fight all these. Um, you know, fight your way across the landscape through dogs and cars and yes. all these other problems, and then you've got to try to find somewhere where there's not already an existing koala uh, to, to 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 get some food to eat, and Indeed. you know that. Yeah, and it's you're limited. Koala, and you've got these invaders coming in trying to take your food. Well, of course yeah. you're going to resist them. You know. So, and and it's you know less and less habitat all the time. So of course it's a particular stress. And I mean, as you say, I mean a lot is being made quite rightly um, lately of the uh, communities that have been impacted by the fires so hideously um, and lost their homes and their uh, you know their communities. And uh, really, we need to just stretch our imagination just a little bit more and, and realise that this is exactly what is happening to our koalas and other wildlife in the forests. Uh, indeed. And um, you know, the, the thing that is apparent to me is that the habitat's going to, going to recover quicker than the animals. So mm. Um, mm. while the fires were widespread and caused uh, immense... Uh, damage to the forest, most yeah, of it's temporary yeah. and that most of the trees are going to recover yes. but the wildlife are going to take generations like koalas they're going oh, to yeah. breed up over time mm. to rebuild their populations and uh, and they're going to need all the help they can get to do that over time um, you know, you can imagine if uh, like for example South Casino in the fire area <clears throat> uh, probably 80 to 90% of the koalas got killed and so um, 
they've got to rebuild their populations, and that's going to take take time. So the forest will recover well before the koalas do, and yeah. we need to give them that uh, opportunity and time for their populations to recover mm. and expand over to, uh, over the long term. And uh, uh, I think that's one of the other significant outcomes of the inquiry, the recognition that we need to protect koala habitat, including on public lands Indeed. and including in fire-affected areas, that that is the most important thing we can do is to protect <coughs> koala habitat so that koala populations can recover and rebuild. Yes, indeed. Yes, so a lot of good recognition uh, about the problem with uh, lack of habitat and damaged habitat um, and the recommendation for the creation of uh, new national parks. I mean, that's uh, such an important thing for uh, protecting our koala habitats, isn't it? Yes, so they they come out supporting the Great Koala National Park, for example, which is based inland from Coffs Harbour. Uh, and south of Grafton, and they're saying that that uh, should be protected. I mean, it's recognised as probably the most important koala habitat in the whole of New South Wales, mm. albeit severely degraded through logging and burning. Yeah. And uh, it needs to be protected for recovery, um, both of the forest and of the koalas that depend upon that forest. And we recently had a, um, an assessment done by the Department of Primary Industries and Energy that identified uh, 55,000 hectares of state forests uh, around there that could be protected at relatively low cost, i.e. low timber cost, uh, uh, and added or be the formation or the basis of formation of the Great Koala National Park. So we have, we have the government supporting it now, oh, um, or at least one arm of government. Yeah. But forestry's in there logging the areas that they've been identified for addition. Yes, as fast as they can, even before the areas, the fire areas have recovered. Mm. Uh, indeed, and they're logging in, in, in the moment, they're in there logging in Wild Cattle Creek in one of these koala areas that have been identified for addition to the uh, Great Koala, or as part of the creation of the Great Koala National Park, uh, in areas that haven't been burned. And, mm. uh, and there, there's so, so few areas of those left up there, particularly on the, uh, around Dorigo on the tablelands, they're just... Yeah, they've got to be protected. I just think it's so irresponsible. I'm sorry, but the, the New South Wales government, I think, is being so irresponsible. They know about these areas being prime koala habitat, uh, and they know that these areas are being logged, and they know that communities are up in arms and even uh, going into the forests and, uh, and trying to protect the areas, and yet... They are not using their own existing powers to stop this happening. They had a process, uh, the government did, um, DPI again, um, I think it was in 2018, they identified uh, what they call koala hubs, which are these areas across all land tenures where there's uh, evidence from records of persistent koala populations, i.e. Uh, places we know uh, core koala habitat where koalas have survived over a period of time, you know, usually decades. Um, and yet forestry were allowed to go on targeting those for logging. And I, I just find that absolutely reprehensible, really. Yeah, absolutely. Here we have these, yeah, I think it was about 100,000 hectares across the whole of New South Wales identified, but so, so not a lot of these mm. koala hubs. Mm. And uh, forestry just went on trashing them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and no protection on private land either. So got to wonder really what's going on uh, when this is allowed to occur. Yes, yes. So, I mean, there's a lot of good recommendations here 
from the inquiry and I'm delighted to see this. And it must be stressed uh, that this was an inquiry by uh, multi-party members. I mean, this, is, this, was not, uh, this wasn't just a Greens uh, initiative or something like this. Was, this was right across um, party lines. And uh, these recommendations um, make absolute sense. I, I, I note that you're saying here that we need a moratorium on logging and the clearing of both burnt and unburnt koala habitat across all tenures until it fully addresses the recommendations of this multi-party inquiry. And uh, that, that makes absolute sense. Um, any hope, do you think, uh, any signs that the government is moving in this direction? Um, Unfortunately, no. Um, well, look, there's always hope. And, mm, and mm. Re really, um, if community pressure is brought to bear, then maybe we can get achieve an outcome. Uh, so there's always hope, but I think... If the government can, uh, they will ignore this report for as long as possible. Yeah. And then they will make some token uh, uh, changes, but really it will be business as usual. And that's the biggest worry we've got, because mm. that means extinction of the koala, uh, certainly in the wild, uh, in New South Wales, by, by um, within 30 years. Mm. And, uh, and probably a lot, lot less than 30 years, because the inquiry found that even before the bushfires, they probably had about 30 years left, so um, after the bushfires took out a quarter of their habitat and, and some of the best patches we know about, their extinction rate uh, or extinction uh, threat has drastically uh, uh, escalated. Mm, mm. And uh, yes, and I, I saw that the uh, BBC was reporting on this and uh, they were most concerned and, and also very concerned that um, whilst the New South Wales government do, did acknowledge the uh, report they uh, didn't commit to um, to implementing it, and there was an excellent article I see in uh, in Common Dreams about it. Uh, Without urgent government intervention, koalas face extinction in New South Wales. So um, that's yes. uh, all um, really very good. It, it, as people say, it's our, it's our panda. You know, China's got its panda, and they're putting effort into protecting and rehabilitating its habitat. Like immense effort um, yeah. here in New South Wales, we're putting our effort into destroying and degrading yeah. uh, the habitat of uh, the Australian icon, which is the koala. There's, there's no doubt worldwide, anything to do with koalas gets uh, massive media attention, including this inquiry. And mm. the world's very interested in uh, the um, the uh, recommendations and outcomes of this inquiry, and particularly the uh, predicted. Uh, Extinction of koalas in New South Wales by 2050, and uh, and yet our government just continues business as usual. Yeah, yeah, over and over again. Uh, yeah. so, and and it's yeah. been, you know, we've been had the warning for decades, yeah. and we've had solutions for decades, and the government just won't do them. Um, but I am heartened by uh, the uh, the large media response to uh, to, to this report. Um, there's been a lot of media coverage about it, isn't it? And, and I'm hoping that uh, our listeners and all, all all people will step up and uh, and uh, lobby our governments, uh, the New South Wales government, about this because we really do need urgent action. And it's not something that we can perhaps worry about later. It really needs to be dealt with now, right now. 
Yeah, look, 2050 is not far away. And as I said, it could even be a lot less than that. Yeah. And, um, and the situation is deteriorating quite quickly in, in western New South Wales. Once massive core populations have virtually disappeared now, like in the Pilliga, um, used to be one of the main strongholds in New South Wales for koalas and now koalas. Uh, if there's any left, there's not many, um, and there may not, may not be any left in that population now. And, and basically in the, on, the, on the tablelands, the... Uh, uh, they can't handle climate change. The droughts are getting to them and wiping them out and putting the coastal ones under increased stress as well. And so we don't have long and we've got to turn this around now. And, you know, as I said, koalas prefer bigger, older trees. They don't grow overnight, you know, so it looks mm-hmm. great. People are out there planting trees and that can help, but, but we need to protect the trees we've got left now. Indeed. The trees there. Yeah, now. every single tree. At least, if nowhere else, in those mapped areas of core koala habitat. And it has been mapped. There are maps showing us where where those areas are of of, um, what they're calling likely koala habitat. Well, let's put a moratorium on them now. Let's protect them now while we sort out what we're going to do to safeguard the koala in in the long term. I think this is what the people must ask for. This is what the people must demand uh, because uh, the New South Wales government talks about, oh, well, we've spent so many millions and we've got a koala strategy and all this, but the point is it's not working. And these recommendations that have been made by the koala inquiry really need to be implemented and implemented now. And as you say, if if those mapped areas showing where the koalas are, if at least those were held... Mm-hmm. were protected. At least we'd be halfway there. But my personal preference would be to have a complete moratorium on logging of all our forests until there's a, a, a full inquiry about um, uh, the impact of the impact of logging, the impact of climate change, the impact of you know fires, which of course, as we know, are caused by climate change. But uh, certainly, and, and that logging. Might, yes, absolutely, logging. I mean, you 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 just by logging, you're depleting that the heart of the forest. Uh, you're leaving a very sort of basic framework, which, whilst it's vital for the wildlife that we have, it's not the the, the full rich uh, habitat that uh, is so supportive of our koalas. I look at increasingly degraded forests are not only more more vulnerable to fire because we. Uh, you, you reduce all those big old scattered trees to this dense regrowth where all the canopies interconnect and mm. it's close to the ground so mm. the fire jumps up into the canopy really quickly and spreads through the canopy. You, you, logging also dries out the forest so yeah. the, fire, the, the forest is more fire prone mm. and, uh, and the logging creates all this new fuel, all these uh, little trees that come up after the logging are, uh, uh, and then they still thin within a within a decade and and start and it's just this fuel for mm. for more fires. So you know we 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 have this huge problem that that we're uh, degrading the landscape to create these fires. And mm. uh, um, yes, yeah, it is a, a a major concern. Indeed. So uh, that's what we need, isn't it? We need the um, recommendations of the inquiry to be implemented and. Uh, and moratoriums until um, we have uh, a clear um, picture of exactly what's what's happening in our forests. And I, I will just point out one other thing too. Um, 
uh, in 2018, uh, as part of its koala strategy, the, the pillar, uh, the pillars of the koala strategy was creation, protection, protection of koala habitat. So that was recognised in the New South Wales koala strategy. Yeah. So they created 12 new reserves. Um, and as the inquiry confirmed, because I did an assessment at the time, the uh, inquiry has confirmed my assessment that uh, most of the areas were already protected in uh, in forest management zones, but they weren't allowed to be logged. Uh, and but also most of them didn't have any koalas in them or any koala habitat. Exactly. So, so we we have this uh, outrageous process by the New South Wales government where they pretend to do something knowing full well they're not doing anything at all or not doing much at all of any benefit to the koalas. So, you know, we, we've got to change the mindset there as well. We're, we're not, they're not doing these token, uh, deliberately token, deliberately useless uh, uh, processes when what we need to do is protect good koala habitat. Indeed. And that's one of the recommendations of the inquiry. So let's, let's move forward down that line. Yes, indeed. So important. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, later in the program, I'll run through some of those recommendations and thank you so much for uh, passing on this report to us and thank you for giving us a summary today. Um, it's so important and we, we really need to take action yesterday. Uh, we do. We um, did. Uh, yes. Well, well 1995 would have been a good time to do it. <laughs> yes, indeed. When we had the koala tip introduced... Um, Yes, well, that might have made a difference by now, but uh, unfortunately it hasn't. Yes, because when you've got such strong lobbying by the extractive industries, by uh, uh, by the loggers and um, other extractive industries, um, having the ear of government, it's really very hard for ecologists and uh, conservationists to, uh, to, to capture the government in attention. But I... Uh, I know that I and many of our um, listeners really thank you and commend you for all the work you've done over the years. Um, goodness knows where we'd be by now if people like yourself hadn't uh, spent the last, uh, what, 40 years? Uh, well, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> I think I was arrested at Trainee Creek in 79 yes. and have pursued environment for most of the time since then, not all the time, but mm. most of it. Mm. But, um, yes, I've been so successful that the koalas uh, aren't extinct yet. They're going to last at least for another 20 years. I mean, yes. really, so many, when you look at it in those terms, yeah. and we've got climate change, runaway climate change, uh, climate chaos upon us already, mm. um, really, I wonder... Sometimes, whether it's all been uh, of any benefit or worthwhile, absolutely, because the, the world's still collapsing around us. It is, but you have staved off worst disaster that could have hit <laughs> us, and uh, and we thank you for that. And uh, you know, now, now is just the time for action. It's and and it's everything. The thing is, the same actions that are being recommended are the same actions that address both climate change and the conservation of our wildlife. So, um, you know, yeah, the answer is clear. And, and it's also increasingly clear that it's now or never that, um, you know, we, we've had our time to, to make the changes we need to. Um, we've had ample time, we've had decades where we could have started doing these things and we haven't. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's too late now to stuff around for any longer is, yeah. is what the overwhelming evidence is. We have forests collapsing around the world through... Uh, uh, because of climate change um, and and de degradation through past management, uh, we can't. If this goes on for, uh, I reckon another decade, and really, it's 
going to be too late for the koala. Mm-hmm. It's going to be too late for our forests. Yep. Uh, we've got to turn this around now. We and too late for us, too. Yeah, and we can't wait for a decade to turn it around either, no. by the way. I, no. it always alarms me when people say, oh, we've got a decade to turn it around. They think, <laughs> oh, we'll wait till, till nine and a half years and we'll do something. It That's doesn't work right. that way. It's yes. got to start now. Right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm quite sure that the, uh, the, the the targets that have been adopted by governments around Australia and around the world of, um, you know, sort of uh, by 2050, you know, net zero emissions by 2050, yeah. I'm quite sure that the majority of governments uh, are thinking, oh, well, that's all right. We, we'll carry on as we are for now. Yeah. And uh, then perhaps in maybe in 2040 we might start looking at it, you know. Uh, and in, mm. in Australia, our emissions are rising uh, quickly, our yes. land clearing escalating, um, all those problems yeah. are getting worse quickly rather than better. And yeah. uh, it shows that we're not headed in the right direction whatsoever. No, no. And we must. So keep up that pressure on the uh, on the governments, everybody. That's, uh, that's, that's our role. Yep. Uh, and uh, thank you so much, Dylan. Um, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to pestering you again soon. No worries. Okay, thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental as Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.